Yo, Joburg everyone, this is episode 241 of G.I. Joburg. No, it isn't. This is a surprise bonus, and I'll tell you why. Unfortunately, there is zero electricity running through the computers of Rob or Paul. So, you got me. But you don't got me alone. Because I've just recorded the most epic podcast uh, celebration with the fellas from Talking Joe, and they are all currently, or the current co-hosts at least, are all currently in my box down below. So I'm going to add into the chat Mr. Tim Finn. Oh wait, I got to do my other... Oh, yes. <laughs> caught him by surprise. Hi Steve, hello G.I. Joe Berg. Hello Tim, we've got G.I.J. Cordray. Hi everybody. Yo Joe. And marking Talking Joe, Sedin. Hello, the Sedin editor. Hey! There you are. So we have just said goodbye on one podcast and jumped onto a second. There is no agenda. I just thought I'd have perhaps three of the sharpest minds in G.I. Joe just chat with me for a bit. You've got another three guys. No, you two can be self-effacing. I will take that. Yeah. Very good. Do it, Tim. So, without giving away any spoilers, uh, I think you all acquitted yourselves very well in the 150th episode of Talking Joe. It was, in fact, an epic quiz featuring not only these three gentlemen and myself, but uh, former co-hosts, Diagnostic Eddie, Chris McLeod, and Chief Doggy Dog Stride. So, if you're familiar with Talking Joe, you will know these, these criminals. Um, check out the episode. <laughs> it should be live any day now, I assume, Mark? What's your release schedule, buddy? Uh, we'll probably leave the video up and then the, the audio podcast will be out on a Thursday as usual. Of course. Well, you don't have to wait then. I mean, the video is actually as it stands on YouTube. So check out the Talking Joe uh, YouTube channel. But gents, um, thank you, firstly, for jumping onto my show and uh, at, at absolutely no notice whatsoever <laughs> this was a joke that i pitched five minutes ago. <laughs> well we just we just live streamed for two hours and three minutes and steve said i gotta i gotta start my show uh at the turn of the hour and i said well we could just keep talking and be guests on your show if your regular hosts aren't available and then he said okay <laughs> well i believe, I believe his, his phrase was i'm gonna call your bluff <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to say, I'm kind of known for calling people's bluff, and that's how um, I wound up getting married, actually. <laughs> yeah. I called her bluff, and um, she said yes, I guess. That's actually, uh, anyway, actually, yeah. that's actually uh, if I had a G.I. Joe action figure, that would be my code name, Bluff Call. <laughs> or, uh, well, I'd or say it's if, a slight if, better than failsafe. If, if, my, if, I had a, if I was a vehicle, maybe the vehicle would be the Bluff Caller. Right. Like, Coming over the hill, it's the Cobra Bluff Caller with four firing missiles and real turning tracks. Well, Larry, figure nit like nitpicker included. Right. <laughs> nitpicker included. We 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 codenamed one of our guests uh, Nitpicker. Oh yes. <laughs> well, hey man, what's a good comic talk without a few nits to pick? And and now now that I'm a little bit older, like I see that that's really the joy of it uh, because absolutely. <laughs> They can't be responsible for picking up everything. So these little nuggets, they're actually a little Easter egg to, to folks like us that love to overanalyze over the content. Mm. You know, Mark said this during um, during the, the the stream that we were just on. 
during my round, which was all based on Snake Eyes and uh, and Real American Hero, and uh, he said, wow, "Wow, looking at all these old images really makes me want to go back and, and reread those." And you know, like you said, with with the issues now that we do, you know, what they do with the A Raw and, and that we do with the Devils do, we really do go in depth. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd feel, I I'm like. I, I would love to go back and do those early issues, you know, and just really, really delve into those um, because, you know, we, we go through and we find a lot of images like for the videos and stuff. So I feel like in one way, I've kind of reread a lot of that stuff in the last couple of years, but it's not really the same as, as actually going and, and, and rereading it all and, and you know, re-experiencing it. Cause a lot of it, I, I haven't, but when you go back and you look at it, like the panel that we used of, uh, of the dead of the, the grenade falling from Quinn's hand. I mean, it was just mm. so iconic to me. And, and I remember as a kid reading that and, and it being like a, a grenade falling from a dead man's hand. And you're just like, wow, what the hell am I reading? You know, I'm like eight years old or something, you know? And I'm like, gosh, this is some serious shit. Um, pardon my language. But uh, well, yeah. if you retread that ground, I'll be sure to re-listen because that material is evergreen, evergreen yeah. in terms of going back to the well and rereading it, but also evergreen in terms of reopening discussions about it. I'd say, yeah, every GI Joe podcast or show or YouTube channel needs to cover that run, that original era. Yeah, it's run. like, it's like when we talked about issue 21, we, you know, chief and Ben talked about that back in the, back in the day. And then we've recently sort of recovered it almost twice. Once when we talked to, to, to Gene about his uh, original art collection of the original pages. And then again with Billy Penn and, and yourself, Steve, when we were uh, talking about, um, about his reproduction of, uh, you know, mm, of, of making motion. it that stop motion, oh, amazing yeah. video that he, he did. Uh, and, and so I sort of feel like, um, you know, I've been going over that material uh, many times as well as just, you know, reading it. I can, you know, anytime I get, you know, the chance to read it, I'll just reread it. And, you know, there's always new thoughts coming out. Like, you know, when you asked um, that panel of Storm Shadow reaching down to touch um, Scarlet's, you know, cheek, what's, what's he actually thinking there? Mm -hmm. It's like, huh, yeah. I've mm -hmm. not thought about that exactly, you know, explicitly Remind before. Remind me, so always... did you imagine it was uh, sort of a more sexualized uh, gesture when storm shadow reaches for scarlet or is it more like, I, I got i got you my girl you're not going yeah anywhere. i i said it was i i sort of read it as being a sort of slightly you know showing compassion caring oh. for um scarlet's well-being sort of t you know maybe tipping his hand a little bit that you know, maybe he's not such a a bad guy that he is showing concern a good way to read it yeah complex all of this stuff, the comics, the show, the the uh, the toys, all the stories, in particular, have a different resonance as a we age and b the culture changes around us. So that panel of uh, of Storm Shadow reaching for Scarlet, you know, if you read that when you're ten or twelve at the time, and there's only a year and a half or two years worth of G.I. Joe at anything in existence. Uh, you know, it's like you think about Star Wars. Like, I, I think sometimes about, you know, with all the Star Wars that we have right now, some movies and then particularly on Disney+, Plus, I often think about what it was like for us between 77 and 
80 and then 83 and then 84, 85, when it was just one movie and one novel or two movies and this comic that's weird, just those three movies, <laughs> three movies and like, you know, seven good minutes out of a two hour TV special. And, and um, a comic strip that you might have caught if you were in the right city. Right. So G.I. Joe, um, also in this era of like media and interconnectivity, not only are we all older as fans, and so we might have a different reaction. Like um, a lot of G.I. Joe stories will have a certain kind of twist ending. And as a kid, maybe I would find that really novel or slightly disappointing because it's not about someone getting their comeuppance. It's about someone getting away or mm. someone letting something go. And as I've gotten older, I find those those endings more interesting. And then with all this interconnectivity, I can immediately talk about that with my two co-hosts or other people all over the internet, or I can blog about it and get those feelings out. Whereas, you know, in 1986, if I read, you know, like the end of Special Missions 4, like that that final panel, it's it's kind of like the final panel of issue two, not special missions two, issue two. Like, wow. Right, like there's pathos. Um, Remind me, is for uh, showdown, or is that with Sarawak Sally and the, the black boxes? Sarawak Sally and the black boxes? Right. So the Joes do not get their objective, but at the same token, the October God is denied no their objective. Yeah, yeah, yeah and like like what even-handed a... justice of pirate leader Sarawak Sally. Yeah, it's, what was the it's, last panel of that? Was that them dropping the black boxes in the in the in the river or something like that? Yeah. So yeah. no, no one gets them. Yeah, and, and Leatherneck uh, is pissed off, and Lifeline is yeah. like, no, it's okay, it's okay. So, like, I, th I think that's the kind of ending which sort of only gets better as you get older because uh, life isn't fair, or yeah. um, uh, also as fans, sort of all all of these stories that change in resonance over time. Not only do we talk to each other, we're older. And the culture around us has changed. You know, like how I feel about violence in media has changed. In the 80s, mm. I kept wanting more guns and more fisticuffs in my TV cartoons. And nowadays, uh, I think I still want that, but I want there to be a discussion around it. Um, but also we as fans, look, we now have a lot of access to the people who made and make those stories. The talent, the production people and editorial. And so we can get um, instant feedback, which changes our expectations and our reactions. So, you know, like when I see a, a mistake now in the comic, my first thought, it's like this comic has only been out for two days and I'm already reading it because I'm going to talk about it with my co-host in this, in this grid of four squares in three days. And I immediately think I should send an email to letters at idwpublishing.com, point out this coloring error and ask them to fix it for the digital versions and the collection. Whereas if it was like 1993 and I'm reading an issue of Marvel G.I. Joe and like some uh, vehicle is colored the wrong color, it's like, well, that's just a mistake. I, I can write that letter to post that box the pit, but it's like, well, it's, that, that's how comics are printed. They're colored and printed with mistakes in the 80s and 90s. Like all these people in the background, they're just red. All those vehicles in the background, they're just, <laughs> they're just green, whether they're Joe or Cobra. Um, so... Uh, it's it's it is constant. Our our feelings about this is are constantly evolving. So yes, it, I think it would be great to reread the old comics and also talk about them for two hours at a time. <laughs> we talked a little bit about sort of nitpicking and stuff like that, and it's it's very rare 
you know, and that being a kind of, a, you know, an, an additional layer of, of kind of the lens that particularly as an adult, you know, we're, we're reading these, these things. And it's incredibly rare that, that we go an episode without finding something that we can say error detected, you know, uh, <laughs> I think we've maybe had like, We've been doing we've been doing the, uh, this since I think uh, me me and Tim together with the with the monthly releases since about uh, I think issue two hundred and seventy six it was just after Snake Hunt right, had yeah, finished right Hunt. and I think there's maybe been one issue where we've not had a, an error detected possibly two so it's it's you know very uh, very rare I believe so, your last one with Dawn and Helix yeah exactly uh, yeah yeah yeah. Wow, clean sheet. Uh, but I have an axe to grind with um, perhaps a reference material that has found its way into the pack that gets you know given to whoever the current GI Joe artist is. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> oh, oh well, let's have it, Mark. You're gonna complain about the the aspid. Bang. Yeah. Well, for, I take objection to the fact that that aspid has kind of entered the the public consciousness as the name for that helicopter, because I do believe that it, that sprang from a, a, a custom toy. You know, it's a fan, it's a fan created. And that's not oh, to wow. say that like, there can't be this, this gesture from, you know, the actual official publisher, uh, that a, a fan creation can, can be elevated into being canonical or the canonical name for that thing. But the fact that the custom helicopter makes use of, a Chapmay base, which is a horribly like stunted, shortened, squat, like badly designed, generic sort of budget toy. Um, that's what the customizer worked with. And now that is what is used instead of that gorgeous, I'm going to say it's either Michael Golden or Rod Wiggum's design um, initially. Uh, but whatever was, was a Golden. Yeah, man, that original design is so much better than the crap that finds its way into the pages now. And I think it's a simple mistake because the the customizer actually did such a good job. He didn't just produce a toy, but he produced box art as well. So it was it a very totally professional, legit. yeah, a very professional presentation that has now kind of become <clears throat> canonical. Do not like that. There was uh, <laughs> part of, I think part of, uh, as a gesture, I think, yes, the, the, as, as a, as a sort of rule, you know, like the, the company that owns all these, this intellectual property should lead and should, not follow. Should lead and mm. should have like a very comprehensive sort of uh, uh, perfect uh, like PDF or like hidden website of, of reference. reference. Um, but in this newer era of interconnectivity, right? Um, the, the publishers are sometimes leaving a lot of decisions up to their staff artists and their freelancers. And so we give G.I. Joe or IDW a hard time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. beautiful yeah. from the yearbooks. It's awesome. Yearbook too. Um, so we give them a hard time when they're not perfect and perfect is hard. And as we say, G.I. Joe is a particularly challenging brand because of all these characters and costume bits and accessories and vehicles and names and changes but you know even marvel like there was that there wasn't there there was that occasion like five years ago where uh was it mike deodato someone drew i want to say a pinup or a cover for uh, a character 
um, and I want to say it was Kate Bishop, but I, I could be misremembering this. And uh, and I think drew this in drew this into something official. And I don't know if it was like online and gonna be published or now appeared in print. But it was actually a fan's sort of invented costume for this character, which mm. looked in terms of fan art and then also in terms of a costume design so legit that if you just Googled whatever that character's name was and maybe the word costume, like it came up and you'd sort of think like, oh yeah, that, that must be their costume. Because there are like a million versions, you know, there's a million versions of Cobra Commander or Snake Eyes, there's a million versions of, of Wolverine. And um, so the, so Marvel, I think like cut a small check to the artist, to the fan artist. Hmm. It's like, well, you, you, you did it inadvertently sort of after the fact you did a, a new design for us. Um, and rather than a publisher having... that is infamous for not uh, giving creators yeah really much <laughs> they're going to give a fan who, who used their ip well that's that's very gracious I well i mean too small a check but also technically uh like i think i think that fan artist who drew that character design i think technically that's a derivative work right like we mm. sort of feel like we've all forgotten this like if you make a star wars fan film or if you uh like do some gi joe pinup art and you put it on deviant art or your blog like we've all kind of forgotten this and i feel like companies have not been chasing us and lawyers mm. and judges have not been ruling against us for 10 years but technically if i make some gi joe art and i put it online hasbro owns that yeah because i don't own Fa those characters famously george lucas uh, didn't mind the the fan created content he kind of under him it, he let it thrive and now that disney is is calling the shots i i imagine that's somewhat more constrained i don't know yeah All and the there was disney lawyers hounding hounding fan creators there disney was in the days on fan fiction so they wanna mm. <laughs> there was that yeah, it's in the days where <laughs> we're now getting fiction. that's what the disney we about. you know weekly weekly a weekly dose of star wars almost on on the small screen yeah. so it's, it's very different as well but like, <laughs> when you go to a convention and there are two dozen um, exhibitors selling $20 prints mm -hmm. of Pokemon characters and Nightwing and uh, Transformers, whether they're like meeting or whether they're sort of in official costumes or whether it sort of, it all looks like it could be official if this person were just hired. Like all of that is technically still not allowed <clears throat> legally, right? But uh, was it two, maybe 2003 when Paramount sent out a cease and desist to a bunch of Star Trek fan websites? There were some, some fans who had been making uh, like fan fiction and it all got shut down at the same time. And the comparison was Star Wars fan films, which were being allowed to sit on the internet. You know, this is like 2001, 2002, when there weren't very many, they weren't very long. And because uh, there weren't very many, they sort of got more attention. And uh, and and as a legal comparison, I'm not a lawyer, but as a legal comparison, if if you can stay consistent, you know, if like whether it's Paramount or sort of every company, mm. if you always go after the fan who's treading on your intellectual property, then you maintain the the like you've drawn the line. It's like no, no. When we make it, it's real. When you make it, it's not Precedent real. And, yeah, thank you. Um, mm. And, but, you know, like all, like, you know, Nintendo and, and Lucasfilm, all these companies realized that either they would alienate fans or if they went along with it, it was only benefiting them. And, you know, like when I was a student, I made uh, like a Transformers 25 second 
animation for one of my homeworks. And I thought it was amazing. And I knew I had done a better job on it because it was Transformers. So I cared that much more. And my teacher said, my teacher said in his comment, um, don't, don't use copyrighted characters. Make up your own stuff. And Ouch. my feelings were hurt, but he was right. And mm. I, now, now the shoe's on the other foot. If, when I'm teaching and one of my students turns in, you know, like, I don't know, some Nightwing fan art. And I want to say, don't do that. Yet at the same time, like, if you do some Nightwing fan art and you post it online, you might get hired by DC Comics. Jeez, yeah. What an age to live in. But uh, to de derail us ever so slightly, but on the topic of fans, it seems you guys have got a new one. Uh, one of our Bergforce members would like to listen to your stuff, so he's already subbed you. Uh, thank you, Bob. Uh, and a big shout out to all the Bergforce listening to us live and everyone listening to this on the replay. Yo, Joburg, everybody. Now, on GI Joburg, we talk comics, we talk films, we talk animation, we talk games, but... First and foremost, we're all about the plastic, all about the plastic. And we're going to get totally superficial. I'd love to know from each of you, what is your favorite figurine and vehicle? Mark, you want to kick us off, man? Ooh. I'm on the hot seat. Uh, let's oh, go. Uh, okay, so stuck. Has no one ever uh, asked okay. you this before? Yeah, but it's one of those things where you can potentially come up with a different different answer um, every time as well. So that precedent, so man, be consistent. Mm. So so vehicles, I've definitely got a you know a hov you know a hovering sort of top top five there that sort of probably changes. Uh, Does it every help so, if we split so up often. the factions? I, favorite Cobra, maybe maybe I like. I'm I'm always drawn to the very grounded kind of. Um, the vehicles and characters that slightly less fantastical um so uh, i can see you know see the tomahawk behind you so that was yeah. you know probably my favorite uh, aerial craft because um you know very grounded it feels very real world but also in terms of playability um just so much play value there that you know transporting your your figures uh, around um similarly i quite like the warthog for that you know aspect of having those you know brilliant sort of doors that pop open and the and the, all of the figures that you can you can get inside um so you know maybe 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 i'm saying those in my you know certainly two of my top five um would it vehicles. edge the tomahawk a little bit closer to the top uh, over the warthog if i say that you can play with the tomahawk while standing up whereas the warthog <laughs> you're, you're on all fours going <laughs> I'd always, you know, as as a child playing, that's how it would be. It would be on the, it would be on the bedroom carpet, sort of. Nice. Moving. We're not uh, getting any younger. About. Being able to stand up and play with the tomahawk. That's that's my speed yeah. these my, days. <laughs> my 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 classic GI Joe era, and let me just grab some reference for this. Oh, <laughs> gee whiz, we've uncorked him, ladies and gents. So, uh, the, the that, that kind of initial kind of articulated era of uh of action force when they they were all coming out so that's like sort of i guess the wave two of the uh sort of the joes and the cobras so the likes of this is like the cobra the classic cobra lineup there yeah. um no so though th these are my guys uh baroness is oh, she's there. Here. okay yes very good um and so probably firefly is my favorite cobra um and here and these these are 
these are the Joes in my mind, uh, the top <laughs> ones. Uh, that that's that's my, my kind of. Uh, Did you circle junkyard? There. Like it's, <laughs> it's like uh, I want the dog. <laughs> yeah, these are my guys. So probably probably number one on that is yeah Martin Junkyard actually, uh, my top pick. Are you a dog person, Mark? Uh, yeah, I'm a dog guy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if that was the favorite thing about Martin Junkyard. I think Mark has just got this distinctive look to him. He had came up with this cool, uh, you know, handheld. What can't remember what is it? It's a, is it a Mac, Mac 10, I think. 10, sort of like a suppressed Mac 10 and and this cool gloved hand. And <clears throat> he had this, you know, helmet that was very stylized and looked good with it on or off. And he had the, the muzzle as well. Yeah, easily the style. highest accessory count from his series. Yeah, yeah. and very, very easy to lose accessories as well. So. <laughs> he had the little truncheon as well. A little truncheon with a with a loop, yeah, with a hoop on the end. Yeah, and a muzzle so. for the owner. What? How did you explain it, that? But it looked it radio? crazy, but it just looked great. Mm, yeah, good stuff. Good answers. GIJ toys. What was baby. the question? Your favorite <laughs> plastic, man. Like, what was your favorite figurine and your favorite vehicle? Favorite figure, uh, hands down, is 1985 Snake Eyes. <clears throat> um, whew, vehicle's tough. I would have figured you for a beachhead kind of guy. To be oh, no, no. That really? Snake Eyes with Timber was just, that was like the perfect toy. I mean, that just, I don't know, something about it. <clears throat> um, I keep going back to the hovercraft. I love the way and the sky striker, uh, but, but the hovercraft more, I think, um, you know, I mean, it's not terribly practical, but, uh, it's just such a big bastard and you know, you can, yeah, I loved it. I had, I that, I had an I had awareness of it as a child, because I think as an adult, the impracticality has, has ruined it somewhat, but well. like everyone who has a, a huge fondness for the whale typically have childhood memories. And if I think like, child mind steve that thing would have been the best it would have been just the center of every game <clears throat> oh yeah mine was mm. that and and really um i would say that the, the two things that i got the most play out of were uh the terror drone and the gi joe headquarters because i i mean those were the bases and everything revolved around them i had one set up on one side of the room and the other set up on the other side of the room they were there for eight years, probably. Toys would, Did you you know, vehicles would come in and nice. out and move, and figures would. But the bases were always there, and they, yeah, a point it, of departure. It, Did it, you it enjoy playing like the it. sort of the more, more, uh, I suppose, in between moments, like briefings, debriefings, putting someone in the in the jail. Like, yeah. was it all out battle all the time, or did you kind of enjoy the more? Oh no, uh, tranquil I, for me it was moments? more. Uh, and this is what we kind of talked with with Brandon when he was on the show. Um, just like with the comic book, you would have a continuing story every month. Every time I played with my Joes, there was a continuing story. And when the characters I just die, and yeah, and and you know when I stopped to go to grandma's or, or whoever's house, if I could, I'd take a handful of them, and, and their part in the story would continue. Excellent. And uh, and then when I got back, it would just it was just a continuing thing. Um, did you spread the focus quite evenly or did you have your favorites who you played to? 
I would say I used, I, I probably spread them out evenly because, I, you know, for most of it, you would need large number of figures. So it was like, okay, you got a big maneuver. You got five, four or five vehicles to fill up. It's going to take a lot of figures. Um, as the line went on and we got more and more, I'm kind of like Mark. I like the more military ones. So mm. you get more and more, you start to get guys like <laughs> Except hit, and, hit and run, us. you know, hit and run and, and leatherneck and uh, repeater. And those kind of guys worked their way into the primary squadrons and some of the uh, brighter guys like the airfoots and barbecues and lightfoots. And they, those guys stayed at the base. <laughs> would you say your focus was like 70 30 gi joe cobra or did you stay i had it all those the whole time no but i'm saying in terms of your playtime, were you primarily playing the good guys or did you kind of build up the stories concurrently oh i i would say 50 50 brilliant oh because yeah, i mean it was just wow you know they they interacted with each other. You, you never yeah. had Joes doing anything without Cobras. So every every uh, every odd um, outing, you'd take a, a team of, of Cobras with you in your pocket. Yeah, brilliant. Probably. All right. Well, we could <laughs> we could talk about your playtimes for hours, man. But let's uh, let's switch <laughs> the focus up to Mister Finn. Your favorite figures and your favorite vehicles, man. Uh, favorite vehicle, the Snowcat. Snowcat was a great vehicle. It's it, one of it my can favorites. Do, yeah. It can do so many things. It can drive not you know fast like a race car, but you can tell it's faster than a lot of vehicles. Um, it's it a can, nice sturdy toy. Uh, it, that's a good point. It's sturdy. It doesn't it doesn't uh, wobble. Um, the, the details. My goodness, man. Yeah. The can, um, can it I, out of the park. Yeah. Can the, I ask a random question? Sure. Who who out of us here with the snowcat? would um would take off that back back panel and and have a have a joe hiding in there <laughs> oh, oh you mean pictures. under it you mean under it uh i thought you meant that uh, that's that space the so the, there's the back panel that that steve right. has just taken off and there's that little hollow inside that you can just about fit somebody uh inside and if you were to close it up again and forget that you've done that you could quite easily lose a figure for a few years until you do it the next time I thought you meant like, <laughs> we were just trying to save money at the drive-in. <laughs> I thought you meant it's the, a cruel uh, and unusual punishment, Mark, because like to get a figure in there, he's not, yeah, he's not riding in comfort. In <laughs> no, it's definitely not it's riding chief. in comfort. <laughs> wow. So did you forget Sorry, a figure Tim. in your snowcat? I think I must have done. I've, I've, I've forgotten Trisha. figures in, in random places for years and be like, oh, there's that guy. He was uh, in that. Those make the best yeah. stories. I left, yeah, uh, like just leaving them in the in the cargo bay of the whale from the last game, and then mm -hmm. not using the whale for a few months or whatever. And you're like, where did that guy go? Well, Tim, you can't go wrong with the snowcat, man. It is definitely a five star vehicle for me all day. Yeah, let it, me go it, back to the whale for just a second. Sorry, Tim. Sure. It's so great. But then you have like, it's one of those toys where it's like ninety eight percent great. And the 2% that's not great are the loose fans in the back and uh, that that little moped-type bike that, comes with it that nobody really fits <laughs> Monkey on bike, anything. yeah. It's like, this is for, you know, freedom or whatever. Nobody's going to ride this thing. Now, go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. Uh, the Snowcat, um, 
so it's an Arctic vehicle and it looks a little out of place if it's not in the Arctic, but yeah. uh, it's, it's just so useful that um, it's like we sort of, it was undeniable. All of my games were with my brother. I, I infrequently played by myself. And uh, so sort of all my games, it's like half of the game was what my brother was bringing to it. Uh, and so mm. um, the- Collaborative, collaborative yeah. narrative. I never yeah. had to do that. Um, and uh, so the snowcat, like the the snowpedos, they're so funny and cool. And even though the the treads don't move, it's sort of half tank and half you know like all striker. It's a half dune buggy, and um, the jingle for the ad is great. And uh, it's got four you missiles got it. on. It's got uh, uh, it's got four missiles on the back, which sort of recalls the vamp. And uh, its driver comes with a weapon. Which was on her badass weapon. A badass oh, weapon. Yeah. Uh, my brother oh, read best. a lot of my brother read a lot of military books and magazines. And like when I got the pat when I got the snowcat, my brother said, Oh, that's a really cool sniper rifle, which sort of meant he was elevating Frostbite, even though yeah. Frostbite's a little under sculpted, sort of in his legs, although he's got those very pretty teeth. Um, and then uh, that thing, <laughs> Steve, that you did when you held up the vehicle, the windshield mm -hmm. wiper, the the thinking to put that kind of detail that you'd have this frosted glass and then this part that's oh, not frosted yeah. that so oh, perfectly yeah, lines up. Now, I took the actual windshield wiper off because uh, it, it's in the way, it's too big. Um, <laughs> but I so appreciated that that function um, and uh, uh, it is a, it is, and then it can fit so many guys. The attention to detail. When they designed yeah. the, the, the toys, was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I think I think that the front of it, the front half of it, is so sleek. It to me says like Ferrari or Lamborghini <laughs> in a in a very nineteen eighties way. Like you know, the Vamp isn't sleek and the yeah. Allstriker isn't sleek, but that thing, like that's a cockpit in the front. That's great. Um, it's a great vehicle. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's it's amazing. My favorite figure. It's always hard to do because for me, like character is welled up in sort of design. It's like who they were in the show, who they were in the comic. But if I have to just pick plastic, it's probably Repeater because his gun, his gun is so badass. Oh. He's got fingerless gloves. And my brother always had the big guys. He had Roadblock, he had uh, Gung Ho, he had Salvo. And suddenly I got Repeater. So generally if, if one of us had a figure, the other couldn't get it. It's like, we mm. got dibs. So. When we got the first figure of a wave, we'd look on the, this was an exciting moment at the toy store. <laughs> and it's like, I call so-and-so, I call so-and-so. It's like, well, I'm gonna get him. And if it's a Cobra, you know, it's like, we can both have bats, we can both have night yeah. vipers. Um, I got Repeater. And so you can tell from his uh, very wide jaw and thick neck, both in the painting and in the figure that he's a big guy, even though we don't really ever see him in animation. Uh, uh, and I hadn't seen um, aliens, so his his gun as a reference to a thing didn't speak to me. It was just this like novel GI Joe thing. And then as a third category, um, I think sort of pound for pound, my favorite like, color scheme in all of GI Joe uh, is, is <laughs> Alley Viper. Uh, <laughs> Kidding? No, I, uh, I love no. See, I love the Alley Viper, and I I actually liked GI Joe a little bit more from. 86 to 87 and eight and nine, when there was more color mm. and more accessories and more sort of sci-fi uh, because um, I wasn't the purest that my brother was. 
And even though certainly they got too colorful in science fiction later on, um, like I understand that 82 to 85 or 86, depending on like your flavor, like I understand that that is like proper G.I. Joe. Um, but in terms of play, it's like there were more accessories and the accessories were getting more fun. Like Target comes with this jetpack that is so he can fly in space. So underutilized. I want to see a spotlight issue that has a lone trans-atmospheric global, no, re-entry, what, global assault trooper, something like that. <laughs> Correct me in the comments below. Uh, making, a, making his first, like, jump from, you know, the edge of low orbit, like the edge of space. Like, what these crazy thrill-seeking iron grenadiers, like, what are they, what are they smoking to be doing that? To, 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 to jump from low orbit and then get onto the ground and be an infantryman. What? What crazy mission is this? Yeah, one no, of one's, no one's attempted there. it. One of the things that we don't see a lot in G.I. Joe stories, and I'd like to, and we, like my brother and I certainly weren't playing it this way, is that a lot of characters are actually two or three specialties in one. You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, like if you're a pilot, uh, if you're an astronaut, you're also a pilot. If you're, um, are, if you're are, an ice viper, you're also a cobra eel. Yes. So some of this is spelled out in the in the um, in the file cards, but also just sort of logically, right? Like if you're a cobra officer, you are at least a cobra soldier, and if you are a any kind of hyphen viper, aren't you also a viper? So the specialization tree of Cobra is a yeah, and so thing. it's like if you send a bunch of uh, like rock vipers up a mountain uh, or uh, ice vipers into the Arctic, they can do things there. But also, mm -hmm. if they then head into if they head south where it's warmer, they can still take that town because it's not yeah. just like well, I'm wearing white and my gun's wrapped in white and I know how to ski. It's like no, I'm I'm also a viper. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, if a target lands and he takes his backpack off and he takes his helmet off and you hand him a machine gun, he's not like, what do I do with this? I only deal with <laughs> laser pistols handcuffed to my wrist. Like, that's not what the target said. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, to, to answer, to answer the question, uh, I think my favorite color scheme in GI Joe is uh, Python patrol because it's so gorgeous. It's so gorgeously spread across those vehicles figures. or figures. No, no. The, I mean, the, the way that colors were chosen and used across that line. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't just mean the pattern. I mean everything. I mean that it's not just gray, but silver. That it's not just red, but like a dark red. That it's um, like that. This is a way to make yellow work. This is a way to make lime green work. Right. You offset it with other colors, and it does look and feel like snakes. And um, and it's a way like how could you how could you like improve and redo Copperhead? You know, like his first color scheme is so amazing, and somehow they did. And then they gave him a gun. It's like, well, he didn't have a gun before. And then they gave an amazing package painting. Um, and they gave him yellow panties. <laughs> uh, okay, that Crimson Guard doesn't make sense, but that's okay. Like all of this is still like invented and a little silly so it's not flawless but mm. you know zartan's got pink sword there's a snake eyes version four has pink swords right it's like you take the good with the bad 
Well, then, Tim, a follow-up question. What do you think of the Battle Android Trooper being added to Python Patrol for the Classified series? Have you seen the figure? I have It's not. kind of got... Um, okay, well, me, I'd be interested to get your, your, your thoughts um, at a later stage, maybe. Or yes, if yes. You, you want to uh, Google it. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they are currently doing Python Patrol versus Tiger Force as an exclusive... I think it's Target that have them um for the classified series uh, i'm looking so. at it i'm looking at it right now uh okay. that looks that looks great um he, that looks he has great. a removable chest panel now um, uh, that the, the bat canonically didn't have but right right classified series have kind of given him a bit of an armored carapace um i see a bat sitting on somebody's shelf back there <laughs> uh, that's good. that's a that's a good looking figure i i have I, have, uh, I like classified i think the shift in classified to more the original designs and less like added details and bits i think that's great um i my focus is so much on you know animation and comics and like behind the scenes that i'm happy to let others who are um, passionately going after toys, older, old and new, to have mm -hmm. stronger feelings about decisions regarding the classified line. But in general, like that looks like a good toy. I think doing a, a new version of an older figure, you know, it's like you could take an Alley Viper and put him in Night Force. It's like that's great. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm for all of this. <laughs> I'm uh, pretty like, sure everyone would be fine with that too. I mean, you could uh, take you could take. Blinding. You could take Deep Six version two and put him in Slaughter's Marauders. I'm fine with all of it. Um, you know, as long as it's more sort of like with the original colors in mind, like the um, like the Slaughter's Marauders was it the was it the Toys R Us like exclusive in 2011 or something or 2010 or was it Ooh. was it a convention exclusive where there's 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 Are a we lot talking of, a vehicle or a figure a, a figure pack? What am I thinking of? Oh, yeah, uh, the Slaughter's Marauders, it was a convention exclusive, I think. Um, and they included the, the Renegades as well, that Taurus, Red Dog, and Mercer. Was uh, it a box set? Yeah, it must have been a box set. I, uh, what am I thinking of? Collector's uh, Club. Uh, <laughs> was, was Look, there... I, I'm not au fait with exclusives. Let me, let me just put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, mm. uh, what's, wasn't there, there was some like Toys R Us pack. Uh, Around We've 2010, got, uh, Brian Sweeney in the chats. He's he's uh, helping us out. BBTS figure pack exclusive. Does okay. that ring a bell, Tim? Oh yeah, um, big bad toy store. Yeah, I mean, some of the my my sort of larger point is that some of the modern color homages, when they're close and not right on, I notice it. Mm. But again, you know, like all the toys like 2007 and after i'm i'm happy to let other people it's like i'll get upset about like some weird color in an issue of the comic and i'm gonna let everyone else get upset or like really 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 happy about like oh the classified joe's new weapon is dark gray and the original one was light gray in the 1980s and i've always wanted dark gray it's like good well, fortunately, we have the <laughs> Justin Wells and the james cavanaugh's of the world to uh keep that stuff straight in our heads but excellent answers all around, gentlemen. And I do not want to keep you too long. I know I said 30 minutes. It's stretching into 45 now. But as a lightning round, what is your favorite thing in G.I. Joe today? 
let's let's hype something what is really giving you the feels the joy what's making you party like it's 1985 <laughs> uh Shall I go, Tim? yeah go ahead Tim. uh i i think that the comics i think typically a comic guy or you know since reading my first issue of battle action force back when i was i don't know five who knows uh little anyway and uh and that that was the thing that really got me excited and the you know the toys you know i loved them but i think it was the seeing them in the comics that sort of just enhanced that excitement the world building the storytelling getting invested into the into the characters that uh that sort of just made those really cool toys even more exciting and um the the comics you know they're they're still on, ongoing and some some of them i like more than more than others but i'm just you're always excited to see where it will go because you can't predict it and and you know sometimes there's going to be an issue that really connects sometimes there's going to be an issue that um you know doesn't connect as as much mm. but you know sometimes within that Vietnam, sometimes we're dealing with blue ninjas exactly <laughs> it's, you know, until, until you roll the dice and you pick up the issue and you open it you don't know and uh and you know that's that's still quite ex exciting for me also you know i'm enjoying the uh the classified figures i've got here we go i've got that and ali viper in the post this week Winners. uh not, oh yeah not yet so new but, shit section is sneaking in but the, but the uh <laughs> yeah that's my new shit this week um uh, and and the the exciting thing about that aspect is just how um you know my son who's 11 is sort of getting into into that and getting excited about you know gi joe uh reading you know looking at the comics together but also sort of getting really excited by the by the classified figures particularly as they're they're coming out and uh you know it's just sort of lovely to see and a lovely way of connecting and seeing him connect with those same same things and and he will you know be well, playing i should only be the... so lucky my boy's probably going to be into sports or video <laughs> yeah i've drummed that turns, out of him. turns one in three days time so i'm yeah. hoping to plant the the gi joe seeds so but, uh, he will be an answer from the berg force actually another mark this one from the netherlands who found a mint in box vehicle <laughs> and opened it applied the stickers i know what vehicle he's talking about it was the slugger from the 1997 right. 15th anniversary series oh yeah oh yeah but so, um yeah seeing 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 thomas particularly sort of just in you know you know constantly going off into his his room playing with the all of the joes on the floor you know coming out all of these scenes getting so you know uh you know engrossed in it and and sort of you know made me chuckle when jay was saying sort of going to grandma's um because um, thomas is exactly the same you know he'll if he's going somewhere he'll grab a couple of figures you know what, what's closest <laughs> and stick him in the pocket and sort of be you know just any space that he can find to sort of you know play uh you know it's, it's just a lovely thing to see it's awesome those are the uh, days my friends jay what's rocking your world brother talking joe it really is <laughs> good uh, he's on brand ladies and gentlemen yeah, well and it's true because it's like you know we we get so much stuff in fandom it's a great time to be a gi joe fan because we're just getting inundated with all this stuff <clears throat> you know and you, you might like all of it you might not um but like even say when snake eyes came out okay snake eyes comes out 
uh, go to the movie, hate it. Uh, okay, well, no big deal because I'm going back home and I'm working on a, a video for Talking Joe that's going to take who knows how many hours I'll put into that because um, I need a picture of this figure. So then I'll have to Google, uh, you know, barrel roll and try to find a nice picture of a figure. I saw it, by the and way. Um, that's not punishment. You know, that's that's fun for me to 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 just delve back into uh, years of a, of a of an IP that I wasn't a part of and um, to rediscover all of it. And, you know, like. Uh, we got the barrel, uh, the Brandon Jirwa issues with barrel roll. And then uh, when I was in the toy store the other day, I saw the barrel roll and I was like, damn, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to get this. I didn't, but next time I'm there, I'm going to. Hmm. And it's cool. because of this show, our show, Talking oh. Joe. Big shoulders, new sculpt era, but uh, yeah, you got a soft spot. Well, for and I, yeah, I do. And I look at those, you know, and, and that's the thing is like when I first started looking at those figures, I was like, oh, these are so ugly. But then, like, there's a Jinx one that's, like, a convention exclusive or a subscription uh, or something. You know, and I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm just looking at the design. I'm not looking at the figure because mm -hmm. I'm trying to draw it. And, you know, when I can take that design and make it look cool, then I know it's a good design. It's just the figure itself is not great. Uh, so, yeah, I can appreciate those. And, and I have a better appreciation for those everything in that era now that i didn't have before mm. and i'm really there were three bright spots for me and i think they all start with b blackout barrel roll and bomb strike well mm, interesting timmy let's have it brother um issue 300 oh, and okay idw and larry hama get to hopefully tell a big story and have some kind of ending and as of recording it uh, does not exist so this is a, a forthcoming attraction yeah yeah we're still waiting for issue 290 mm. so we're we're 11 issues away um and um i was you know i was thinking two months ago that like hasbro and idw weren't doing enough for the anniversary because I had this picture in my mind that there was going to be uh, a, an anniversary for the March 2022 issue, as well as an anniversary for 300. Because you know, if you're if you're DC Comics, it's like any issue of Detective Comics anywhere near a 27. Like, oh, issue a thousand, triple sized. Issue a thousand twenty seven, or quadruple sized. Actually, I think these were ten bucks each, right? Um, it's like. Any reason to celebrate, like eleven twenty-five? It's like, well, that's its own kind of anniversary. Like, don't wait, eleven fifty is coming, ten fifty is coming, right? Like, no one has ever talked about ten fifty as as a number that's an anniversary. But um, yeah. so you know, like some of those publishers, like any excuse, you know, it's like, mm. uh, uh, you yeah, know, like, we wouldn't lower ourselves to to you know celebrating some arbitrary <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> so uh, I was hoping. I mean, 50 episodes my hope for this year was like several double-sized issues and not reprint specials but like new specials and like a side mini series but i also understand that um like putting together a licensed book requires an added layer of approvals <clears throat> and uh, bringing back people who have 
drawn this book in the past may be difficult or impossible. Like not everyone's available, not everyone's interested. And uh, and I remember two months ago, so as a monthly um, process for my comic book store, I will open up Diamond Previews, which is this printed paper catalog, and I'll skim the whole thing and I'll mark up things here or there that we're going to we were going to carry, and I hand that to my manager. He actually inputs the order on the on the Diamond website for my store. And um, the first page of previews two issues ago was the cover of GI Joe number one, and it was this very modest IDW like celebrating forty years Larry Hama GI Joe ad. And I thought, well, that's nice. I didn't I didn't know that there was any kind of sort of publicity for this. You know, like Beast Wars twenty five has a logo, <laughs> and like Transformers. 35th and uh, 30th and 25th and Transformers the movie, like 25th, he's all got little logos. Like, where's the G.I. Joe logo for the mm. anniversary? Um, and uh, I, I want to be like forgiving here and open-minded. And I think for maybe Hasbro and IDW, the pandemic made planning a lot of this stuff very hard in terms of scheduling. You know, it's like, is there a paper shortage? If we print this issue, is it going to ship on time? Um, and so uh, when I sort of recalibrated my expectations for the year, it's like, no, I'm not getting a double-sized issue every month for the whole year, like leading up to 300. Like IDW is not going to make a quadruple-sized issue, right? Like Batman can carry that. People will buy a $10 Batman issue. But IDW reasonably probably assumes that, uh, you know, like a – a double-sized issue that's that's sort of you know 699 or something um so once i uh got my expectations a little down to earth uh then i realized how excited i was about this year in storytelling and then on the toy front um uh, i'm really happy for the classified fans that the classified classified figures are now more directly referencing the original figures and not you know like extra knee pads yeah. and like brian hitch ribbing on like the undersides of legs <laughs> and arms and like extra ammo belts and stuff like that's cool but uh, weird blue glow kind of permeates yeah everything. i just thinking about that the little communicators they haven't put on the last several um, it's a tribute to the little tron. circle yeah the the original design the matrix of leadership is what it is <laughs> the original the original toy designs are um are elegant in their simplicity and charming and a modern audience might want more. It's like it's like coloring and, and <clears throat> art detail in comics. Like people nowadays don't want like flat 60s color or flat 80s color or like thick inking lines. They want like very detailed, exciting uh, comic art. Uh, what are you about to hold up? The man, the icon. There you go. Yeah. A lesson, a masterclass in simplicity. That's what I love about the version three. It's like, you know, he's got a gray band and his belt's gray, a couple other little gray spots. And that's it. Ooh. And just a little bit of texture. I'm gonna show us something. Yeah. Ah, Mark has got us a, a little sneak peek at the 40th anniversary special issue 21. The reprint or the Yeah, so it was, it was Tim talking about wanting to see a, a 40th logo. Uh, so we're going to see it on the uh, on that oh, I see uh, it. one shot special, the uh, cool. the fortieth anniversary special. So yeah, very excited about about seeing this. So we're going to have yes, twenty one, twenty no, is it twenty two pages? Was it Tim? Uh, yeah. Plus a cover. Um, so I guess that's uh, that's 
23 different artists uh, taking a page each from the iconic 21 and uh, yeah, sort of putting their own spin on it. So it's a lot of the the sort of GI, uh, the IDW uh, recent GI Joe artists, particularly, um, sort of been been doing a a page as as well as some yeah some other artists across the uh, sort of the world of GI Joe comics arts and uh, so, yeah very excited to, be... to to see this and see what else is in there as well. Yeah, the catalog solicit said there was going to be a self-referential story by Larry Hama about his time on G.I. Joe. And I don't know if that's a one-page text piece, a four-page comic that he's only like penciling, and it's just like gray lines on white paper. I don't know if he's writing something and someone else is drawing it and coloring it. Um, but uh, I want to read that. There's a lot of G.I. Joe on offer, yeah. primarily plastic, but uh, I, I, I do get excited at the prospect of, of new paper as well. So, so I said it's a great time to be a Joe fan. I tentatively say the same thing, Jay, though you're always going to get detractors who say, oh, to hell with that. Nah. But I, I think the amount of energy behind the brand, as a brand that stands on its own, like the film was a flop. It did not jumpstart G.I. Joe the way uh, a film franchise is expected to. G.I. Joe has managed to survive on the merits of its own kind of nostalgia, but also the quality of its output. So I, I'm excited for G.I. Joe in all its forms, uh, be it official Hasbro products, be it IDW comic books, or even third-party uh, merchandise. Yeah, the, like, the, the deck builds, onto higher toys. To the deck building, seven, deck building game. Renegade Game Studios. There is GI Joe at every single uh, level and level of interest. If you're yeah. a board gamer, you've got something in the pipeline. If you just like to sit and play with action figures at your desk. <laughs> uh, for anyone listening to this podcast, the the figure that I held up as an example of just simplicity and, and beautiful design was none other than version one snake eyes good old 1982 man who knew who knew he'd be the icon that he is today i, I actually think 1982 snake eyes is is underpainted but i oh. understand i understand what it represents yeah. and and the, 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 I... thing with version, the thing with version three where he's got some dark gray like mwah. so they've done the original snake eyes with uh, ad added paint accents they've colored in the grenade in places they've colored it in the knife uh, giving him a bit of brown, a little bit of um, strap detail, yeah. and I think that detracts. To be honest, oh. I think I think it's 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 retroactively smart and intended that everything is black because he is doing <clears throat> his work after dark. And why would you pick out gray straps or brown straps to go with your your black suit? Yeah, when like, they make no, black ones, he's gonna be dressing <laughs> all in black. He's gonna paint. He's gonna spray his his grenade black. That's why the new Commando one is so nice. I mean, it's just, except for that stupid white star on the grenade. Ooh, I don't know why they put that Also, I, I think maybe he's a little bit too buff. He's got that uh, beachhead well, buff. Yeah, it's a beachhead like, body. Mm, is that the new one, Mark? That's Stalker. This is, this is Stalker, the UK release oh, uh, version of Stalker. Ah, so he has got, like, grey accents to okay. his wow. mask. So it's sort of makes the face pop a little bit hmm. it's a nice oddity but once again man like i i, I just think that this is so beautiful yeah. and the fact that it's all black really brings out those little 
those little mouth um what do you call them <laughs> breathing holes slits <laughs> yeah because because he's only the molded plastic the skull he takes on light the shine on the plastic gives him those accents I, yes sorry did i anticipate you there tim uh well so all these figures whatever the base plastic is once any paint is applied to it a tiny bit of the detail of the tooling disappears under that very thin layer of paint and mm. so any part of a joe that is just the base plastic i'm not talking about uh skin i mean like the shirt yeah. or the leg or whatever um shows a little bit more detail than any part of a joe that's painted and so there's this one figure that it has no paint. It's only just the base plastic. And so, yes, his sculpt does show through a little bit more um, as compared to, uh, I mean, for, for 82, there's not a lot of paint anyway, but, yeah. you know, compared to, uh, to any later figure who has a lot of uh, paint applications. And look at that ABS plastic gleam. <laughs> <laughs> surface wouldn't have the glint that i that i speak of but anyways guys i think it's time i uh i let you all go and i'm gonna play with my action figures that is a blatant lie i'm now gonna do some daddy daycare there you go it's my sunday thank Take you gentlemen, that for joining one. me for what was a marathon for us all we did a full talking joe celebration and you jumped onto gi joe book for the after party so i thank you thank you very <laughs> much hmm. Uh, do you want to plug uh, Talking Joe? I'm, I'm sure you might 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 just pick up a few subs. Excellent. Yeah, so talkingjoe.co.uk is the website that has links to uh, the YouTube channel where we post most of our episodes with added visual content, uh, plus all of the audio episodes that stretch back uh, 150 episodes plus. So it's we're covering, at the moment, we cover... The ARAR issues from IDW as they come out. So we chief started the journey back uh, three years ago with issue one, and we've read all the way up to issue 289. Last episode, we talked to the, well, most of the last few episodes, we've talked to the artist of the book, sort of finding out all of the behind the scenes story of, uh, of the comic and how it all came together. And then alongside that. You were talking earlier about how cool it was you know, when we were kids and, and what it's like to be able to, you know, to now learn all this stuff behind the scenes. Just imagine when we were kids, if you could get online after you read the issue of GI Joe and hear two or three people talking about it and talking to the guy that drew it, that's what you get with talking Joe. Almost <laughs> every episode, these guys talk to all the artists and it's amazing. You're not likely to find a more comprehensive coverage of GI Joe in print. And yeah, and we've uh, and we've been starting on our Devil's Due read through from um, the, the the Devil's Due era that started in two thousand and one, uh, and we're into uh, almost issue thirty of of that. And again, we've been joined by some of the creators uh, from from that era. We've had Josh Blaylock and uh, Dan Jolly and Brandon Joe. So that's been really sort of great to kind of get their recollections of of that whole era so yeah that's where you can find us talkingjoe.co.uk Alrighty, as always uh, i don't have a smart sign off so i guess i'll just say yo joberg <laughs> yo joberg joberg, joberg. Yo, joberg.
<laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. And thank you to the Berg Force joining us live in the chats. Always a pleasure to see you guys. If you'd like to join G.I. Joe Berg's Patreon for as little as $3 redos a month, you can get uh, all the exclusive content and also be able to watch these podcasts as they happen live, warts and all. Or catch them on the replay if it's uh, not an hour suitable for you. Or just catch us as the episode comes out <laughs> 24 hours after that. But yeah, this has been Steve and Talking Joe, and we are out. Later. Laters. Ooh.